God bless you, and you may be seated. If you want to bump somebody's elbow, you feel free to do that. <laughs> Amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord. We are getting into some very interesting subjects here that I'm going to be, we're going to get into. We sort of been doing a little forerunning uh, work here in the last two lessons, and we're going to study the book of Revelation. Our subject here is uh, things coming on the earth, and it's a new look at the book of Revelation. And uh, we're, what you're receiving now is lesson three. Lesson one and two we have taught the week before last and last week. And uh, this week we're going into lesson three. And the first two lessons we talked, the first lesson about chapter one of Revelation, the things that John had seen whenever the Lord appeared to him on the Isle of Patmos. He appeared to him in the form of a, of a midst of a golden candlestick, seven golden candlesticks. And then uh, he had stars in his hands and so forth. These things uh, are given to us in symbolic terms. This is going to be very important because when you study prophecy, so many things are in symbolic fashion. And the reason that they're in symbolic fashion is that the Lord tries to show us through his prophets spiritual things by helping us to understand them through what we already know in natural things. For instance, Jesus said, a sore went forth to sow. Well, he said, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto the sower who went forth to sow. Okay, we know what sowing seed is, is planting, you know, planting the harvest, planting, the, planting a garden, whatever you're doing. Sowing the seed, sowing is like this, casting. And uh, so he talked about it, said the kingdom of heaven is likened unto fishermen fishing, and they take in some fish, some fish they keep, some fish they throw away. And so forth. He goes on to say, it's like a man crossing a field, finds a treasure, goes to sell all that he has come back. All these are natural things that we can understand and associate with to give us a spiritual understanding. Now, in prophecy, in the Bible, so many things was shown to the prophets in a spiritual sense that if we were to just look at it in the natural, it wouldn't make any sense to us. But there's a, spirit, there's a spiritual significance to it, to Ezekiel. Jeremiah, Isaiah, and on and on. Daniel, Daniel chapter 2, when he interpreted the image that, that Nebuchadnezzar saw and other visions that he had, they were all literal uh, figure things that represented something else. For instance, Daniel's uh, image, we call it Daniel's image. Nebuchadnezzar saw it and he, God gave Daniel the dream and the interpretation of the dream. The interpretation was that each one of those uh, parts of that image's body, the head, the breast, the belly, the thighs, and belly and thighs, and the legs and the, and, and the feet, they were all part of empires that was going to come one behind another. So these were not literal parts of a, a being that was seen. Uh, they, were, they, were, they represented empires that were coming and going. So in the Bible, we're going to be looking at things that will represent spiritual things. And so when you get into the book of Revelation, it was a, a vision or it was an experience that was given unto John for the Lord to give him that he may pass along to us, to us, the church. Praise the Lord. And I might say this, that all prophecy is given unto the church. It's not given to the world. It's given unto the church, but it's in the word of God. 
And if we read the word of God and study it, then we learn a lot about the things that are coming on the earth. We are very close to the coming of the Lord. And we talked to you about that last week. Uh, the Bible says after two days, he will come. Or he will visit Israel. And we know that he will do that starting in chapter 11 in the book of Revelation. And so it's getting time for the Gentile period to wrap up. And we also talk to you that the, that the church will be raptured away before the tribulation period because the tribulation period is the wrath of God. And the Bible says he has not appointed us unto wrath. Two places we gave you scriptures in Thessalonians last week on that. And that we, he has given us, praise the Lord, an understanding that, that the rapture will take place and then all the tribulations coming on the earth. Now we're going to be looking at the things coming on the earth. But we as the church would be in heaven. We'll be already raptured away. And I'll give you scriptures and so forth like that. And I'm going to uh, show you some of these things here this morning. Praise the Lord. So I think it's, a, it's an important thing to understand. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with us to chapter 4 in the book of Revelation. Chapter 4. And while you're doing that, and this is along with your lesson that you received uh, here just a few minutes ago. This is a timeline that we often show to, uh, to show you where we are in, in all of these things. And I'll get the focus here for us. Uh, focus. There we go. Okay. I appreciate all these brethren that set this up for us today to work with. God bless and the people up in the sound booth and all that they do. Now, this is a timeline chart. Most of you are familiar with it. Uh, Sister Toops did this for me. All of these charts that I show you in color, she put these together for me a number of years ago. Sister Toops, I'll always appreciate what you've done. You make it worth it. It used to be, you know, I'd draw things out like that. I drew them all out, and she put together a nice visual. But this is Adam, the first man here. And this period of, of the Old Testament is a period of 4,000 years. This is the Old Testament here. And I won't go in back into it, but it brings us down to Jesus Christ. And then Jesus Christ was crucified at the age of about 30, 33, right in through there somewhere. Uh, and, uh, and then after that, the day of Pentecost followed shortly after that, within 50 days, I think it was, after the crucifixion. And then following that outpouring of the Holy Ghost, the church was established. And the Lord said, go ye in all the world, preach the gospel. And the church went forth preaching the gospel. Now, the uh, church age is from that period of time until the rapture of the church. The rapture is the very next major spiritual event to take place. And so we're looking for the coming of the Lord. And, of course, that's sim symbolized by the seven golden candlesticks, which is the church age, the seven churches of Asia that's mentioned in Revelations chapter 1, and then it's brought out in detail in chapters 2 and 3. And so it brings us right down here to where the rapture is. We talked about that last week. And so today we're going to go into the beginning of what we know of as the tribulation period. We're going to put ourselves right about where the T is here, the T. Now, from here until here is the, Revel the book of Revelation. It's from chapters, chapter 4 starting about here and going to here is the book of Revelation. Now, I'm going to give you a chart here 
that many of you are familiar with. And uh, it's a book of Revelation chart. And again, Sister Toops put this all together for me. And uh, this is, this is uh, chapters 4, 5. You can't read this. 6, 7 is right here and on and on. Right on down until the end here. Now, I have this chart broken up into three parts. Part 1, part 2, and then part 3. Now, let me give you part 1 here just to show you in detail here. It's, and this is what we're going to be looking at here as time goes along. Now, many of you are familiar with these things. Some of you may not be, but I'm doing it for the sake of all of us here. This is that very first part. And if you will notice here that this is starting with chapter 4 and chapter 5, chapter 6 and 7. 6 is when we get into all the judgments that God's going to start pouring out upon the earth. And it goes right on through. And when we get here, we're in chapter 11. And uh, I'm going to be talking to you about it. I won't, give it, won't get into this now. But I'm going to talk to you about chapters 4 and 5. This is a scene in heaven. So that's where your notes are today. Everybody was still with me? All right. So I'm going to put uh, that chart that I'm dealing with here, the one that you're looking at. Not chart, but the uh, lesson. I'm going to put it up here on the screen for us. And uh, I think I can open this up a little bit more. Because you can see, yeah, that's good. You can see uh, your own paper there. I know you can't read that, but you can read the one in your hand. All right, so we're starting here at Revelations 4, 1 and 4. Everybody turn with me then to Revelations chapter 4, verse 1. Praise God. Praise the Lord. A scene in heaven. Now, this is what we have when we look at this fourth chapter. I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 4 of chapter 4. Everybody with me? All right. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. Now, notice that. Now, here he's been on earth, but now he's going to go up into a spiritual realm. Doors opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, a trumpet talking with me. You will find this expression of a trumpet talking with me more than one time here in the book of Revelation. And it represents the voice of divinity, whether it's the voice of God or the voice of angels or the voice of a heavenly being. Uh, it doesn't, isn't always clear which voice it is, but it's certainly not just a man's voice. A, a trumpet talking with me which said, come up hither. And I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Now, if you recall, we talked about how the things which are hereafter is from chapter 4 on through the book of Revelation. And that's what we're going to be looking at here today. These are things that are coming following the rapture. They're coming on the earth. Now, the reason that I won't, uh, I'm going to talk about these is because you and I have to know we're building up to these things now. There is a, we're, we're coming up to those things. It's time for the Lord to come back for his church. He comes back first for his church. We call it the rapture of the church. And at the end of the tribulation, he comes back at Armageddon with his church. He comes back with 10,000s of his saints. I'll probably refer to a scripture 
in that respect here in a few in a, in a few minutes as we look at the word of God. But I'm pointing out to you here right now that this is what the Lord wants us to understand. That when he was caught up, he began to see divine and heavenly things. And so it goes on to say here, uh, verse 2, And immediately I was in the spirit. And behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. A throne. Notice that. And he that sat was to look upon as a jasper and a sardine star, stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in the sight like unto an emerald. Now these descriptions can be found over in other writings very similar to this, such as Ezekiel, such as uh, Jeremiah. Uh, Isaiah, I think, also has one that's very similar to this. Uh, But they describe it. And that rainbow is always there. The rainbow, folks, is what God gave to the human race after the flood. When Noah and his three sons and their wives came out of the ark and the Lord put a rainbow in the sky. And that's the first time they'd ever seen a rainbow. And he said, I give you the rainbow as a token of my promise to you that I will never again flood the earth with water. Now, all of these people who want to make sound like we're going to one day be deluged by the melting ice age and all of that. That's against the scriptures. That won't happen. The Bible says harvest time, seed time, sowing, reaping will be until the end of time, until the Lord says it's all over with. But until that time, it's going to keep on going on. Praise the Lord. And the rainbow is a promise that God keeps his word. There's been more than once that I have been down, discouraged, disheartened, saying, God, I don't know how I'm going to get through this or what to do about this situation. And I would see a rainbow. I would see a rainbow. And I'd say, yes, God, you always keep your covenant. You always keep your word. You always keep your promises. And that may happen to some of you. It may have happened more than once. But just remember, God gives us the rainbow to remind us that he keeps his covenant. So when he gives these heavenly visions, there's a rainbow on his head. Like God remembers his promises. He remembers his covenant. He doesn't forget anything. Everybody still with me? Now I'm going to move on into our lesson here because I have some very important things to show you here. And it says here in the verse 4, And round about the throne, this is that one throne in heaven, this one throne on the throne, were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. Now, this is the church in heaven, is these four and twenty elders. The first time that was presented to me, I questioned it, and I did not accept it because it just didn't seem quite the way it should be. But when I got to looking at it, checking it out, thoroughly examining it, I found it was true. I'm going to show you that right now myself, that this is the church in heaven, and they're with the Lord. I'm going to give you some scriptures here to vouch that. And if you look in your lesson here with me, Uh, the church in heaven is in symbolic fashion, just like everything else is symbolic. The four and 20 elders is symbolic of the church. Uh, I don't know how many of you are know this, but our numerical system that goes from one to 10 originally was one to six. How many of you know that? All right. Let's see a few hands. Uh, 
was one to six when Abraham was in Ur of the Chaldeans, the land of Ur, they were beginning to teach the the uh, system of one to ten. Up until that, it was one to six. That's why we have the feet, the twelve. That's why we have, I don't know, the minutes, the hours, you know, six and twelve. Why is all that? You ever do a microwave and you punch 100 in and it starts at 60 and goes 59? You ever do that? That's because it's dealing with two, two numerical numbers, systems. Well, I won't get any further into that. I think most of you can figure that one out. But originally it was on the six. And uh, so 24 is a, six is a judicial number. 12 is a judicial number. And 24 is double that. Maybe it's the Old Testament and the New Testament. 12 in the Old, 12 in this as a numerical number to represent those who have been raptured from the Old Testament and the New Testament. Remember, it's not just we in the New Testament that will be in the rapture. Many shall come from east and west and shall sit with them with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Praise the Lord. Holy men of old speak as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is what makes us holy, not we ourselves. I won't go any further into that. Let me just move on here and what we've got to talk to you here about this morning. Uh, and round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. Now notice the white raiment here, and I have that in your notes there. Uh, on number one here under note, this note, number one, they are clothed in white raiment. Look in Revelations 3, 4, if you'll have your Bibles, just turn back a page and look at verses four and five. This is describing the church now. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments. They shall walk with me in white. As you well know, I love that verse for they are worthy. Look at verse five. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment and will not blot his name out of the book of life. So forth. So I'm just pointing out to you here that here's two verses here that speaks about uh, those in the church having white raiment. Also in that third chapter, look at verse 18. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich in white raiment that thou mayest be clothed. So I'm just pointing out to you here, this is a description of the church. You say, well, Brother Byers, I don't know. Now let me take a look. Go over here to Revelations chapter 19. Everybody's still with me? Look at Revelations chapter 19 and verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. That's the bride. That's the church. Verse 8. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. Everybody with me? Uh, Jumping over when you're in that 19th chapter, looking over in verse 14. And I have that also in your notes there. 14. And the armies which were in heaven. This is Armageddon now. And Jesus coming back with his church. And the... uh, And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. So what I'm trying to show you here is that when it describes the four and twenty elders as being in white raiment here, it's describing the saints of God, which is the church, and they're already in heaven, and they're being described as the four and twenty elders. Then it goes on to say, and they had on their heads crowns of gold, crowns of gold. And if you look on number two there in your, in your chart here, number two, Revelations 
4 and 4. On their heads were crowns of gold. Look at Revelations 3.11. If you're in your Bible there, you just back up to verse 11. Behold, I come quickly. Behold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. See that? No man take thy crown. Uh, while you're there, back it on up to chapter 2 and verse 10. Chapter 2 and verse 10. And uh, it's a long verse. Uh, let me read. I'll read it. I'll read the whole thing because the part is at the very end. Fear none of these things which shall suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried. And ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death and I will give thee a crown of life. Everybody see that? Now the crown of gold that is symbolic of the crown of life, which is what we will have in heaven. What's the crown of life, brother? I don't know, but it sounds good to me. <laughs> I'll accept it, whatever that is. And then also, of course, James. If you look in the, work, the book of James 1, uh, 2, uh, 12, I mean, 1, 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. So everybody stay with me. I'm talking about the crown that was on the head here of these uh, four and 20 elders. So uh, I'm going then uh, back to number three here. If you look at number three here, we're going back to chapter four and verse four in Revelation. And it says, round about the throne were 24 seats. Round about the throne were four and 24 seats. Look in Revelations 3.21. You're in three, uh, you're in chapter four, just back up a few verses the last second next to the last verse in chapter three to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne even as also as even as I also overcame and am sit down with my father in his throne you understand what we're saying here so we're sitting with Jesus on his throne and he is sitting with the father on his throne these are symbolic terms if you can if you can picture that it's difficult <laughs> but anyhow we'll be sitting with the lord what tens of thousands millions of saints of god I don't, I don't know how many saints of god will be sitting on the throne don't even try to figure it out praise the lord things with god folks are so great and so mighty Amen. we can't even begin to comprehend everything that's why they're given to us in symbolic terms when the bible says that he not only numbers the stars but he calls them by name two places i can show you in the bible where he has every star named. He knows their names. And he knows the number of the hair on your head. And you lost a few this morning when you were combing your hair. I did. I don't know about you, but I did. And he still knows the number. I'm just saying that the, the knowledge of God and the understanding of God is so vast until our little old brains between our ears and this great world we live I mean, they can't even begin to grasp and fathom the greatness of God. All we can say is, Lord, as you say it, your word says it, and I believe it. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we shall sit with the Lord on his throne. And then if you'll look with me also in Luke 22, uh, Luke 22 and verse 29, 29 and 30, excuse me. <coughs> Luke 22 and verse uh, 29 and 30. Jesus writing, speaking here says, And I appoint unto you a kingdom, as my Father hath appointed unto me, 
that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on the thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. All right, so we're going to be sitting with the Lord on his throne. I don't have this in your notes here. It's not in your notes, but uh, look with us, if you will, over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, let's see if I can find it. Sorry. Okay. I found it. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. And I'm going to read 2 and 3. 1 Corinthians 6, 2 and 3. Look at this closely here. Look at this closely. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? Look at that. That's us. And if the world be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? He's talking about, you know, that the, that the, uh, the church should be able to work out problems within themselves and not take it out there to the world and the law. That's what he's talking about here. So he says, know ye not, ye shall judge the world. Look at verse 3. Know ye not that ye shall judge angels. Wow. I mean, the church, folks, is very special to God. That's why if you have trials or tests or temptation or difficulties, just plow ahead. Keep walking with God. Don't let Satan trip you up. I'm telling you, the Lord's coming soon. And some of you folks have lived for God for a long time. And some of you have just started out walking with the Lord. It doesn't matter whether you've been in it for a long time or whether you have been in it for a short time. Praise the Lord. The reward of the church is great and God is faithful and he will do exactly what he has promised to do. The rapture will take place. The dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the end. And so shall we ever be. Amen. Be, so the Bible said there will be two women grinding mill in the, in the field. I mean, grinding, more, grinding mill. That's early in the morning. There will be two men working in the fields. That's in the middle of the day. There will be two people sleeping. And one will be taken, one will be left. Saying, one will be taken, one will be left. That's what it's saying. And that's, that's in the middle of the night. And I've been told that people in foreign countries that didn't understand a lot about the thing in the olden times especially... When he's going to come, is he going to come in the morning or is he going to come in the evening? Which is it? Well, we know now the world's round and when it's morning in one place, it's evening in another. And when it's daytime in one place, it's night in another. You understand? But the Lord knew all that in the beginning. Praise the Lord. So when the Lord comes, whatever, wherever you are, the Lord will circle the globe and we will rise and meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Hallelujah. We'll have a glorified body like as in his glorified body. We do not yet know how we shall appear. But we'll be like him. For we shall see him as he is. He has a glorified body. Uh, Paul saw him on the road to Damascus. Brighter than the noonday sun. Oh my. What glory. All right. I won't go any further here. I'm going to continue on here with, my, with our lesson here. Uh, about... Uh, about the Lord's coming. Praise the Lord. Uh, I want you to notice number four here. I'm going to go to number four. And this is going into five. And if nothing else will convince you that this uh, four and 20 elders is not the church, this should tie the knot here. Revelations five, eight and nine. So if you go back to Revelations again, we're moving from chapter four and we're going over to the eighth verse in chapter five. 
And when he had taken the book, I'll explain the book to you in just a moment. This is our next uh, subject here. And when he had taken the book, the four and the beast and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lord. And remember, the four and twenty elders is the church. Fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors or fragrances, which are the prayers of saints. Prayers of saints. All right. I won't go any further there. You can figure that one out. Verse 9. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. So this is a Gentile church. You understand what I'm saying here? This is a Gentile church. So the 420 elders is a Gentile church. I mean, the church is made up of Jews and Gentiles. But when it says that it's speaking out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation, that's all of us. Praise the Lord. That's not just the Jews in the Old Testament only. And, uh, and, and so, so, so I'm just pointing out to you here that the fact that the 420 elders was redeemed by the Lord by his blood uh, out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation, we know that's the redeemed of the Lord. Amen. So here again, we have it. Now, I'm going to move uh, very quickly here, and that's uh, number four. I'm going to go to number two in your lesson here, number two. And I've got about 30 minutes, for 15 minutes, 15 minutes. And I want you to look at this very closely, the book of judgment. Look at 5-1 with me. Look at, I'm going back to chapter 5, verse 1. Everybody still with me? Yes, sir. All right. Look at 5-1. I'm going to read down through verse 4. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written wherein it on the backside of seal and seven seals, sealed with seven seals. Seven seals, a book in his hand, seven seals on the book, which means you can't open the book until the seals are broken. Now you think anybody can break a seal. No, no, no. When kings would put a seal on something, nobody had better open that or break the seal unless it's the right guy that does it. Otherwise, you know, he's in trouble. <laughs> you don't just break a zeal. Not, not when the king does it. All right, here's a book that, was on, that he had in his right hand that had seven seals on it. Now look what it says here. I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and backside, and on backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? This is a book of judgment, a book of judgment. And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. Nobody was worthy. You know why? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And this is a book of judgment which God is going to judge. Praise the Lord. And nobody was worthy to unlock the seal. That's why when that woman caught in adultery was brought to Jesus. Incidentally, you ever wonder where the guy was? Adultery is there's a guy involved. Well, they let him off the hook. They brought the woman, the poor woman. Jesus knew that. They threw her at the feet of Jesus. Now every day, the Old Testament says we're to stone her to death. What they were saying was that we can't keep the law because we know that under the Roman law, we can't stone her to death. What are you going to say about that? You know, they threw her at the feet of Jesus. But they didn't bring the guy. But I'm going a little bit further with that. 
Jesus wrote in the sand and they said, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? And he said, he that's without sin, let him cast the first stone. And they had stones in their hand. He said, he that's without sin, let him cast the first stone. In other words, they had no right to judge. You have no right to judge anybody else. I have no right to judge anybody else. Praise the Lord. We may sit on a court someplace and judge, you know, in that sense of the word, a little, you know. But I'm talking about judging the wrath of God upon the world. We have no right. That's what it's saying here. And it was, and I was, I'm going to read verse 3 again. And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy. No man. To open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. That is to look at inside what the book had to say. Now, verse 5. And one of the elders, that's one of us, if I can say that, saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. The lion of the tribe of Judah. And he can do it. Verse 6, and I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. I don't have time to go into this now, but if you write this in your Bible, I see Isaiah Chapter 11, verse 2. It'll give you the name of those seven spirits. This wisdom, knowledge, understanding, uh, stuff like that. And anything else. Very interesting. And it has to do with Christ coming to this earth. He had those, those spirits, those uh, characteristics, I should say. And he says, a lamb as it had been slain. In other words, Jesus Christ came as God Almighty in the form of a man. God did not die on Calvary, but the man Christ Jesus died on Calvary. And it was his blood that was shed, his innocent blood. Praise the Lord, the blood. His father was almighty God. This is the man I'm talking about, the man Christ Jesus. And the father was almighty God. Praise the Lord. That blood was innocent in Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. And so the Bible says, Judah said, I have betrayed the innocent blood. The meaning one. I betrayed the innocent blood. Judas said that himself when he realized he had betrayed Christ. And he had done messed up big time. I betrayed the innocent blood. And Jesus Christ shed his innocent blood. Praise the Lord. And because he did that, he has the right to bring judgment upon the earth. Praise the Lord. Let me show you something. I want you to go over here to, uh, it's in your notes there. Uh, Look down in John, look down in your notes. I've got it down here, right here. I'm going to go five, John 5.22. Boy, I'm giving you some good stuff here today. Everybody say praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah, bragging on yourself, Myers, yeah. <laughs> ah, hallelujah. Let's see here, John 5.22. Where is it, where is it, where is it? Where is it? Man, I can't find it. There we go. 522. For the Father 
judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. See that? You say, well, Brother Myers, the Bible says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. That's just one verse. All right, look down at verse 27. I've got that in your notes too, 27. And have given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man. And so if you're trying to figure God out, God is so righteous and he is so perfect in all of his ways, folks, that even almighty God that has a right to judge all the world. And Abraham said, art thou not the judge of all the earth? And it's repeated all through the Bible that God is a judge of the earth. He has a right to judge, but so that even the devils of hell can never say anything against him or to him. That, you know, he is passing along judgment to Jesus Christ, his manifestation, not another person, but the manifestation of God as the son or as the man on this earth that shed the blood that the judgments may come from him because he lived the life on this earth. They can say, oh, you don't know what it was. God, you didn't know how, you know, you never would. Yes, he was. You don't know how tough it was to live as a man on the earth. Yes, he did. He knew everything and without sin. And he was perfect. Praise God. So the Bible here gives us two verses. One other verse, I'll give you the one found in Romans 2.16. That's also uh, right here. Romans 2.16. If you look there with us, uh, and, uh, and it says, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. That's so simple. This is a simple verse, according to my gospel. So I'm just pointing out to you here that Jesus is going to be the judge. So going back to uh, Revelations chapter 5 here. Uh, Jesus came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. All symbolic. You understand what I'm saying? Not literal, but symbolic of God transferring the right of judgment into himself, from himself to himself as the sacrifice that he might do that, praise the Lord, according to the scriptures, according to the word of God. And so that there is nobody that ever can say, oh, God. You never did understand, you never know, because Jesus is the one who does it. And from that point on, then it goes on to say in verse 8, and I've already read these verses to you. It says here, and when he had taken the book, the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him, and they glorified God. And then it goes on to talk about how they worshipped. Now look at verse 11, I've got to show you this. And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the, and the, beasts and the elders. The beasts are, are creatures... They are angels of some type in heaven. I won't get into that part. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Oh, my. You talk about the saints of God in heaven. You talk about the angels in heaven. Folks, that's a lot. That's a lot of, of God's saved people. Praise the Lord. And it goes on to say how that. Uh, wisdom and honor and everything was given unto Jesus Christ. And then whenever you get into uh, chapter 6, we begin then with the judgments that God begins to pour out upon the earth. Now, one last thought, and I only have four minutes to just mention it to you, and that's in fact number 3. And that is that Israel was a forerunner. The word for here should have an E on the end of it. That's my error. 
Israel was a forerunner of what will come on the Gentiles at the end of the church age. Now, I'm just going to say this, and there's a lot of scripture here to show you that. Uh, but let me just say this. And that is that when Israel sinned against God, God says, because you have sinned and you have not received and accepted and believed on Jesus Christ. Jesus said, you knew not the day of your visitation. You knew not the day of your visitation. I came. I walked among you. I was with you. And you rejected me. Then I will judge you. And he judged that generation. In 70 AD, the Roman armies came in and just wiped Israel off the face of the earth almost. There was was 1,100,000 Jews that died in that massacre of Israel. The temple was destroyed. The city of Jerusalem was destroyed. Thousands of Jews were sold into slavery and sent all over the world that time. God's judgment upon Israel. Now, because they rejected Jesus Christ and they knew not the day of their visitation from God Almighty upon this earth. Now, Jesus is before us. He makes himself available. He deals with hearts. He talks to us. He deals with us. He's got a... He's got a uh, an old preacher up here just teaching the word. He's got a preacher that's already preached, another one that's going to preach again, you know, not another preacher, but our pastor. That preaching the word of God to us. Uh, service in, service out. All of this to help us to be saved, praise the Lord. And I'm just trying to say here today, we are without excuse. We have no excuse. And so when judgment comes, there is no excuse, no one. Israel is the type, and if God would do it to Israel, he'll do it to a Gentile world. So when we get into chapter 6, that's exactly what begins to happen. Is God says the church is taken to heaven. Now I'm going to send the judgments of God upon the earth. Starting next week, folks, we're getting to Revelations chapter chapter 6. And there we're going to be looking at what's coming on the earth. Man, I've got things to give you. I I don't have the time to read it, but I've got a, a clipping here from the Kepinger report of the things coming on the earth. I'm talking about financial. These people don't know anything about the Bible. This is not from the Bible this at all. This is stuff is coming out of, of Washington, D.C. And they're telling of things that are coming on the world here. Not just, not America only, but the world. I mean, it's stuff that you, you say, oh my God. And I'm just saying here that a lot of things are coming down the pike. But if you know God and if you serve the Lord and you walk with him... Praise the Lord. Somewhere, amen, in the midst of it all or along the way, I don't know when, nobody knows the day or the hour, that the Lord will let that trumpet sound. The dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I've got some good things coming up for you. In the weeks ahead, folks, you don't want to miss it. Praise the Lord. Let's everybody stand and praise God and worship him together. God love you. Praise the Lord Jesus. We thank you so much. We thank you so much, Lord. You're good to your people. You're good to the people of God. Be with us, Lord. Let no one in this auditorium here this morning be lost. Help every one of us to be saved. If we're not baptized, help us to be baptized. God, if we don't have the Holy Ghost, help us to receive it. Jesus, we know it's your will. In the name of Jesus, we praise you. Amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Remain standing as our musicians come.